everybody. May the 4th be with you. Happy Star Wars Day. (laughs) We thought it's time to have a bonus episode, change things up. We're going to talk all about Star Wars today. Yeah, and we, um, this is cool. We have gone technologically into the future where while we're in the same room, we're not looking at each other while we're talking. New setup. Yeah, yeah. It's just a lot of um, trial and error with technology and microphones and all the all the stuff. I feel like that's what the original Star Wars films were. <laughs> they were just making it up as they went. I mean, when you look at the technology, it seems like it was a lot of trial and error, right? <laughs> they, did, just... they did a good job, right? Yeah. I mean, for... <laughs> That's pretty amazing, 1977. Yeah, exactly. Well, I just have to say, as I'm looking at you, I can see the Death Star phases of the moon, actually phases of the Death Star behind you. Yeah, you so I've, the, I've I'm got sure this... you knew that was back there, but now I'm very aware of the fact that it's there. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? I, You know, for Christmas a few years ago, I got this cool little metal wall art, right? And instead of the phases of the moon, I mean, it is the phases of the moon, but it's in the form of a Death Star. I mean, I think our family can never talk about the moon without somebody yelling out. That's no moon. Uh (laughs) All right. So we try to be a little organized this morning um, just to make sure that uh, we're cohesive here. So Randy's going to, I think let's, why don't you just start us off with um, just some of the history going way back and is it 77 is that really the first one yeah i think so so here's the thing i i i'm gonna throw a disclaimer out there i'm not a star wars um film history aficionado um there's there are people i have met people in my life that know so much about these films that to be quite honest like i'm somewhat intimidated of even giving my opinion on this subject um but I have watched them quite a few times. You're wearing a t-shirt right now. I'm wearing my Star Wars t-shirt so today. <laughs> um, you know, what's really interesting is it started with George Lucas, who's a filmmaker, and, and we won't go into a ton of detail here, right? But he just had this he had this vision. And um, interestingly enough, I'm not sure that the movies they made was his vision, right? Um because did that's write, why I, did he write the books though first i i mean i don't know anything about books he okay. wrote scripts okay. right he okay. had a story okay. okay i don't think george lucas wrote any books but but he wrote the scripts he wrote the story right it is his story yeah um but there's a reason people ask this like well why did they start with episode four and the reality was is with what lucas felt like he could make at the time this is my understanding and yeah. if i'm wrong Again, disclaimer, right? But this is my understanding, is he felt like that was the movies that he could make given given the technology, given the ability that he had at the time. And and honestly, it was kind of the most interesting part of the story he felt like he, he could make. And so um, he did something awesome. And, and he, he started with episodes four, five, and six. Um, you know, actors that are iconic cinema legends at this point, right? Uh, Mark Hamill, who, you know, people don't realize Mark Hamill, obviously most uh, and best known for his role as Luke Skywalker, and he's now reprised it over, you know, lots of, let's see, 50 years, right? Yeah. yeah. Like we're going on almost 50 years of Star Wars or whatever, but um, that's crazy. It is. It is great. I always feel like the seventies were like 10 years ago, but it's not. So, um, (laughs) but my gosh, he's been doing it for forever. But like Mark Hamill's had an amazingly long career doing all sorts of stuff 
uh, including a lot of voice uh, actor work, right? Like he is the voice of so many different people and so many animated series and cartoons yeah. and stuff. Yeah. And folks don't realize it, but incredibly talented. Of course, you know, we don't have to say anything about Harrison Ford. He's so well known for so many things, right? right? Um, it, Oh, he was such a good Han Solo. That's the thing. And, and he's such an amazing Han Solo. That's not even his most famous role, probably, right? Like, you know, you've got um, Indiana Jones up there. You, you've got, you know, all of the um, Tom Clancy, you know, films yeah. That, yeah. that he portrayed as Jack Ryan. And so, uh, and just so many, so many other things. And, of course, the late Carrie Fisher, um, who's... Nobody could have done Princess Leia like Carrie Fisher right. did, right? Like it, there was just such a sass and an attitude that she brought so well to the screen. It's so amazing. But the the films are iconic, and I will say this: this is something interesting, you know, about me. I didn't grow up um, even liking the Star Wars films. In fact, I I married I married a Star Trek. Yeah, I fan. I was on the other side of the fence, right? Um, you You're know, on the it dark was side. it was either Star Wars or Star Trek. I felt like you had to pick one growing up, and I in picked the 90s, yeah. I picked Trek, right? Because I I was at that time, uh, you know, the friends I had, um, you know, there was always the debate. Well, this one's scientific, right? <laughs> There's nothing scientific about the force. It's just magic. And of course, as I got older, I'm like, the magic's far more interesting at this point than the science. The science is too hard. There's way more math involved. Well, the way I've heard you describe it to friends is that Star Wars became a lot more exciting within the last little while. And and I, I just, yeah, I think that I think that as I finally decided to give it a chance, right? And, I, and that was that was it. Um, look, the, those those original three films, they're great. What's your history? I'm, I, I'll tell you a little bit of what I remember as a, a child. But what do you remember as a child from Star Wars? Um, I remember Ewoks. Right. Mm-hmm. I, I remember actually more um, specials, TV specials and other things like that, uh, including including um, I had a friend who had a VHS tape. In fact, it may not even be in VHS. It may have been on Betamax. Right. But he had a tape of the Star Wars Christmas special. Right. <laughs> By the way, if you've never seen this. Go look it up. I, it's out on YouTube somewhere, right? I thought you said it was terrible, though. It's the most ridiculous thing you'll ever see in your life, right? <laughs> um, but I remember that. And that was kind of my impression of it. And, you know, as a little kid, you're like, man, I want to be cool. And that was not cool. <laughs> well, Of course, not- Star Wars, uh, Star Trek wasn't cool either, right? Like, we were we were the nerds of, of the <laughs> of the school. But you owned it. You owned, and you literally owned a lot of the... Star Trek merchandise. But I'll tell you a little bit of my, what I remember as a child. So we had, um, we never had cable. So we only had TV that was on actual, you know, like the regular TV channels. Yeah. And this, you know, the Star Wars movies would come on TV and we'd record it. Do you remember back like when you had a VHS and you had to record it and then you had to stop the recording for the commercial and then you had to start it over again? And do you remember having to do that? Uh, I I don't think we were so fancy as to stop for commercials. Oh no, we did because we had limited amounts of VHS tapes. Mm, yeah, and sometimes okay. you remember you'd have you tape over somebody's oh, stuff. Oh, you tape over stuff all the time, yeah. But <laughs> anyway. You know. But so I I'll have to tell you the part I remember though is um I think it was um Empire Strikes Back. And there, it's like the cold part, and it's the eight. Is it the ATATs, the really tall ones? Yes. And they wrap it around with the cable, and that's how it, they make them fall down or whatever, and they win. Yeah. Um, that's what I remember growing up. I remember my brothers. There were certain movies, you know, we only had a few, few, 
Randy knows my childhood, but a little bit. But, like, we only had a few VHS tapes, and Star Wars was one of them. Um, and I just remember my brothers wanting to watch that that scene, or we I just happened to remember that scene of the ATATs getting taken down. And um, it was never something that I loved. So I'll just fast forward to the part where I started actually liking it more. Um, was the late 90s. Do you remember in the late 90s when they released the... Um, yeah, episodes the, one, two, and three. Well, no, they oh. they, they released oh, they, they remastered. four, five, and six, yeah. mm-hmm. and they put them back in the theaters. And I think they were trying to revitalize um, the Empire, or the um, franchise. What's the word? Franchise, I guess. Um, well, the the, 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 the the prequels were coming, and so it's like, hey, catch up and remember. By the way, they, re- just really, they remastered them. They changed the, some of the scenes in yeah. those original movies now to be able to match up with what they were coming out with later, right? Yeah, it, and it was, to me, that was when I was a teenager, and I was like, oh, Han Solo, you know, he's so cute and whatever. And so that was when I started caring, <laughs> caring about <laughs> Star Wars. So that's my very brief history of of Star Wars. Yeah, I I uh, see. I think that's part of it. Is um, we did have cable, and what was on cable was Star Trek because new movies were still coming out right as we were growing okay. up. Um, you know, while while we were growing up, there was a big to defend your position. Well, look, there was just a big gap right yeah. between when Episode Six came out and then you know episode one finally came out right right right. big big gap in in that time period in the meanwhile you know star trek went all through the 80s and the 90s right and um you know 1994 96 i can't remember when when star trek 6 came out that was the one that was on cable the most right and i Mm. loved that movie and i watched it over and over again taped it and then i didn't have to tape it because i could watch it on cable but that was the thing and i i will just say that um we i think have been really spoiled in the last few years particularly since disney acquired lucasfilm and decided to do something here okay now look all the controversy aside not everybody loves what's become of some of the films not everybody loves the the newest trilogy um some people do i mean it's it's you got folks on both sides. I'm not going to debate either parts of that. What I will say is that, oh my goodness, how much content has been produced that if you want to be interested, you can find something you like. You can find something. I feel like there really is something for everyone. Um, and that goes all the way from even before Disney's acquisition, right? The Clone Wars cartoons, which is a massively underrated property in there, right? Um, massively underrated. Yeah. Um, so good. I feel like our kids watch that, don't they? Or? They they do. Um, they're 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 watching that, and there's just there's a lot of there's a lot of good story to be had in there. And at the end of the day, what I'll say about this is this is what I just this is why I've decided to love Star Wars after all these years, right? <laughs> they won you over. Let's hear it. Well, no, like it's, and in, in all seriousness. Um, I like good versus evil stories, and I like when good wins. Yeah, that's that's my thing. Right. And I'll tell you, if you are an author or an aspiring author and you're out there and you love the shock value of killing off the good guys, I won't like your book. I'm going to tell you that right now. I don't like that kind of stuff. Right. I like when when good wins, because that's the side that I try in my own personal life to live on. Right. And um, that other stuff like meh. 
So I just feel like that's the root of what we're trying to get at here, right? There is there is a balance to be had because there's always one side of the equation or the other. I mean, that, that's the story of Star Wars, right? It's about balance and figuring out what that balance is, but not um, giving in to those, you know, baser ambitions that, you know, are on the dark side, right? Like, I don't know. Wow. That was this that was is, very philosophical, really, I, but I like it, and I it helps it helps me know my husband who I've been married to for a while. But you know, there's always more to learn. So that's awesome. I I, I will have to say I've been to many movies where they kill off the hero, and he's pretty upset for a while after we get home. <laughs> I'm not talking about just a day; like it's weeks where he's like, I can't believe they killed the hero. Yeah. Like I just, you know, and then I won't go back and watch that movie again. Yeah. He, he won't, you know, oh my um, goodness. What even was it? dark night, even, even when they pretend to kill yeah. the hero, right. That's, that's, I was about to bring that up. Yeah. Right. You know, the dark night rises, <laughs> you know, I, look, I, I don't like the idea of bankrupt Bruce Wayne, you know, Batman pretend suicide. I didn't like that. Like, but the love not... story was good. I mean, Catwoman ended up there with him. She was a criminal. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> that's that's Warner Brothers. Well, we're going into DC here. Let's, DC let's, and Warner Brothers. Let's no be good. a little bit more consistent. Okay, so... Um, so we could talk a little bit. Do you want to talk about, about any more about the more recent movies? Well, let's or? let's let's do this. I'd love to hear your thought. What's your favorite film? Right? We've been talking about the films right now. What's your favorite one? Oh, I didn't come prepared to answer this. Um, I I would say maybe this is a boring answer, but I think A New Hope, Episode Four. Oh, okay. I just to me that was the pure story and characters yeah um i did like ray though i liked her character in the you know seven eight nine yeah um i really liked nine but you really didn't like it so i had to question everything (laughs) it's like i guess i shouldn't (laughs) like this um, What's interesting about yeah. that new trilogy, right? It um, it was very polarizing, and I think this is the difficulty when you have different directors, screenwriters trying to do a trilogy, right? You know, look, my personal opinion is that's a terrible idea. Disney was like, well, we got to do this because we're trying to crank them all out within a time frame. Yeah, and maybe they've learned some lessons about that. I've I've read some things that I think maybe they have learned some lessons, which is why we haven't had a new film in a little bit of time here but um you know if you're going to make a trilogy i think that you got to know where you're going at the end to start with and the problem was is that jj abrams came in in seven um told a story that in my opinion was essentially the same story as original i I didn't love that part right like i just felt like okay this is This is the original trilogy, but bigger, right? Okay, instead of a Death Star, now we have a Death Planet or a Death Moon or whatever it was, right? Um, (laughs) And I just, to me, I was looking for something new, okay? And that's why for me, and this this is a very controversial take, I actually have that new trilogy I liked the next episode, episode eight. Why? Because it was different, right? It was just different. Is it the best story? Absolutely not. Um, I don't think so, right? But it was it was very different. And then, of course, episode nine basically just ignored everything that happened in episode eight. And I think that's why I didn't like it so much, right? 
Um, I felt like that was I felt like that was a a lost opportunity. That was a lost opportunity, and I believe that we, you know, you can go out and you can see it on the internet. The different drafts of like Ryan Johnson's version for Episode Nine, and, and other people who had, who had thought of what Episode Nine would be following, yeah. following the Last Jedi, Episode Eight, and boy, like there was definitely a lost opportunity. Like I don't think there was any need to bring Palpatine back. I mean, and to me, honestly, Palpatine coming back, that just, it just diminished the importance of everything that happened in, in that original trilogy, Yeah. right? Yeah. Like, it diminished everything, not just the original trilogy, but the, the all six of, them. All six of yeah. the original yeah. films, right? Because all six of them were leading up to that critical moment when Darth Vader takes off the mask and is once again Anakin, right? Yeah. And he throws his master down the reactor shaft and he blows up and everything blows up and he's made the sacrifice. And then he became one with the force, right? All those poor little younglings. Not, 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 uh, no, I don't need a Kleenex. Okay. So anyways, that's my thing. Okay. So now that I've gone off on a big tangent, um, I will say. Well, did I, did I, did you answer that question? No, I didn't. That's what I was going to do. I was going to answer the question. Okay. I, I think that of, um, I don't know if this is my absolute favorite, but but it's one that I I can watch a time and time again. It's Rogue One. Oh, I didn't know those were options. Well, of course they're options. Well, how can you like that one? They all die at the end. Well, because I mean, that because not, we that's not consistent. It's not with, well. It's not consistent with the philosophy I shared earlier, except for the fact. It is a good movie. Except for the fact that. We knew there was a lot of death in getting those Death Star plans out. That's how Episode Four started, right, right? Right. And we knew that that there was tremendous, tremendous sacrifice to get there, and to kind of see, you know, many years later, the thoughts of, well, what would that have looked like, and 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 what what did that sacrifice look like? Oh my gosh, it was so good. Cool things coming up, right? Like, um, you know, there's going to be a, a series coming up, the Cassian Andor series that will kind of pick up. You know, it's a prequel to all of this. Like, who's Cassian? Where did he come from? What happened? That looks like it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, I just think, I just think that that was such a such a cool and unique way to bridge um, the story. Yeah, no, it was done cinematically really well. for people, and it was right? just a good movie just to. Maybe if you didn't know good anything movie. about Star Wars, the, you could the just watch acting it by I thought was really, really good. Yeah. I mean, I just I thought it was awesome. Um, so I'll just a little bit more about the movies, and we'll talk about the parks because we love the parks. Um, I love I love the music, right? I mean, the music is epic, but I will say Episode One. You know, a lot of people hate Episode One, but that. Um, I don't want to sing it, but like the the battle with Kylo, not Kylo Ren. Uh, what's the other guy with the, the the red face? Oh, geez. Darth Maul. Darth Maul, and when he fights Obi Wan. Yeah. That music is amazing. Yeah. So, if for nothing else, they made Episode the One. The title. The title of that song is "Duel of the Fates." Oh yes, right? of course. You know, yeah. um, that is. I I feel like. I feel like of everything he's done in his whole career, this is a personal opinion, obviously, do whatever you want, but I feel like John Williams' scoring of the of the prequel trilogy yes. was him at the top of his game. Yeah. Like absolute top of his game. Of course he did Jaws and Jurassic Park and Yeah. Yeah. Lots of stuff. He he did I mean, some of the the most iconic 
um, movie scores you'll ever find out there um, have John Williams attached to it. But I just felt like that prequel trilogy, like he was absolutely at the yeah. at the zenith, you know? Oh, it's so good. I love that. Okay, well, um, let's talk about Galaxy's Edge, which is at Disneyland in California. And? And in Orlando, it's at Hollywood Studios. Yep. It's at that park. So, and they're identical, right? I mean, I, in terms of what's available. I yeah, don't know that the layout is, is exactly the same. We're going to just fast forward. Just so you, guys, you guys know we're going to talk about some of the food that's available at the parks today. As I'm looking at some of this food, there it seems like there are some food stands or some diversity yeah. a little bit. But I'm pretty sure like in almost everything of, else is the in same. In terms of main attractions, what I mean is I, 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 I believe they're identical. Yeah. I, I Certainly, I don't know that the layout will be identical because I don't know they have the space for that, right? That's what's so interesting is... You know, they, you know, Star Galaxy's Edge, the Black Spire Outpost at Disneyland, like somehow they fit that into Disneyland. Right. <laughs> like back, they're, back by, guys, um, there wasn't any room there to begin with, Big right? Thunder Mountain. I mean, when you visit Disneyland, the thing, and you compare it particularly to Disney World, and this isn't one's better than the other, right? Yeah. But I'm just saying, like, just raw comparison, right? When you go to Disneyland and you go to Disney World, what is the big difference? Space. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, as they say in Wally, there's plenty of space out in space. Well, there's plenty of space in Florida. There's not so much space in California. I'll tell you that much, okay, because you feel very compacted. And so when they announced that they were going to build it and they were going to build it there at Disneyland, I thought, where? But they did. Yeah. So we were at, the last time we went to Disneyland was 2018. And I remember you could see a lot of the construction of it Um and I remember there, it's over by Big Thunder Mountain. There's a way to get to um, Galaxy's Edge. So, but at Hollywood Studios, though, it connects to Toy Story Land. So I don't know where it feeds out of. I don't know if it's like that Toontown place. I don't know exactly where it feeds out of on the other end. But that was one reason that I sold you on, hey, let's go to Disneyland. Because it was the next year in 2019 is when it was Star Wars. Um, yeah. You know, Galaxy's Edge was going to open. And I was like, well, let's go before it gets too before crowded. Before it gets too crowded. And then, of course, we found out that nobody showed up. And we should have just gone when it opened. Yeah. We would have had, it did um, not have a big opening. It, and it I think, didn't. didn't people get fired because of that? Uh, well, there were some changes. But the big thing is, when they decided to open it, um, they only had one marquee attraction, right? And that was that was the Millennium Falcon, Falcon yeah. Smuggler's Run. Because the other one wasn't ready. And that's because Rise of Resistance was not ready. And and, you know, uh, again, look, I've never run a theme park, never built a theme park, never done any of that kind of stuff, but I've been to a theme park many times. And so my opinion for whatever it's worth is, yeah, there's lessons learned. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, and I think looking back, so we'll fast forward. So it opened in, I think, like August 2019, 18, no, no, 19, sorry. Um, and then you, I went on a trip with friends in November of 19. And so I, and I, by the time we got to that part of the park, it was dark and late. So it made it very, very cool experience for me because I purposely try not to research on something new. Like I want to just experience it. So I went and I totally got lost, which I thought was cool that it was so big and, um, complex that like, I could, like, I kind of went in circles, didn't know where I was at. And back back in the this is pre pandemic, which glad I went on that trip. But the um, stormtroopers were out harassing me, and I got harassed by yeah. a storm. They wanted my ID. 
<laughs> and so it was just, it was a really cool experience. Um, we did Millennium Falcon, but um, like you said, Rise wasn't open. But a few weeks later when you went with friends. Yeah. Tell us yeah, about your experience. So, you know, we, um, you had experienced that part of the park and came back. You're just like, wow, like it's going to blow your mind. I remember you just telling me, I was yeah. like, you are not even, you can't even, you're not remotely prepared for what you're going <laughs> to see there. And I remember when I got there the first time, um, me and a couple of buddies went, you know, it, it was our annual guys trip, um, which we, we do try and do every year. Just, just the group of us go. Star Wars geeks. Nothing yes. weirder than that. Just a bunch of single, you know, middle-aged dudes roaming around. Just Not single. Again. You're all married. Well, we look single. I mean, oh. we're, there's nobody with us, right? Oh. That's what I mean. Gotcha. Um, <laughs> you know, anyways, uh, we got to experience Rise of the Resistance um, the first week it opened, right? Yeah, didn't y'all get there super early? And-, and we got there at Hollywood Studios. We were in line at 4.30 in the morning um, on one of our days. So it had been open maybe one, maybe this is the second week. Um, but this is like, it had barely opened. And, right. and they were doing this new thing called this virtual queue, right? And the thing about that virtual queue was, it was it was a first come, first serve. And that meant, and you couldn't get in the queue. You had to do it on your My Disney Experience app. You couldn't get in the queue on the app until you had scanned your ticket into the park. Right, that's so right. So it wouldn't recognize yeah. you. So how do you get into the park early? Well, you got to be there before everybody else gets in line. So we were there at 4.30 in the morning on, like you woke on our up day. you at 4.30 or you're actually in line? We were in line at 4.30 in the morning. <laughs> okay. okay. Park, Sometimes you exaggerate. So the I'm park's just trying to get the hours, truth. The park hours didn't open until 9.00. Okay, so this is, this is I'm just putting that out there. Okay, so when okay. people complain today about standing in line for three hours for Rise of the Resistance, 4:30 in the morning, we were willing to make that sacrifice. But there was a rumor going around at the time that because of how big those crowds were, and despite the posted park hours, they were letting people in early, sometimes as early as six or 6:30, and so that's what they were doing. So we were there at 4:30. We waited in line for a couple of hours, right? And about six o'clock, they started letting people through. Six. Six o'clock, they started letting people through, okay? Okay. And we got in there, and we got our boarding group, and we were group 21. Like, it's like winning the lottery, okay? <laughs> At that time, we were it was just the three of us, and, and um, you know, then you had to wait. And the app would tell you when it was time for your group to go. And once yeah. it was time for your group, you had an hour to go and get in line. I really did like that it. system. I, I did, too. You know, they did a lot of tweaks to it where... Um, later on, they took away the first come first serve and they made it a lottery, right? Yeah. Which meant that you could be there at four thirty in the morning and you could be the very first one through the gate and you could get boarding group 100, yeah. right? <laughs> um, then later on, they even took it away where you didn't have to be at the park. If you were a resort guest, you could do it and you could actually do it on your app starting at seven o'clock in the morning, right? And so then the new trick was, we learned that if you download an atomic c- clock, there's an app out there, an Atomic <laughs> Clock app, right? Download the Atomic Clock. The second that thing hits zero zero at seven o'clock, you hit the refresh, go through, you could do it, you got it. And that never failed us. But they they made a lot of tweaks. Now the virtual queue is gone. Um, replaced the virtual queue replaced with um lightning individual lane. lightning lane yeah. selections on Genie Plus. Um, and then a, there's a there's a three hour standby line. So. But it was so, so cool. Us, it was I was so cool. So just from my end of things, I remember calling you to just say, how's it going or whatever. And you had just gotten off 
rise the resistance. And I remember like, you're, you're never speechless, honey. Let's just be honest. And you're like, I don't even know what just happened. (laughs) That was, that was what I remember you saying. Like, I don't even know what just happened. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I was actually looking through my pictures this morning because I, you know, I just posted happy, you know, I posted May May the 4th be with you this morning. I was looking through some of my old pictures and I, I came across actually the pictures and photos and videos I took of my first journey through that queue. Now I will say the one the one downside to that original virtual queue was you actually didn't get to spend much time in the real queue. Right. Which is so incredibly detailed. But I just remember going through it was one of the very first times I had ever like done like basically a video and, and recorded myself talking on a video and sent it out to people. Like I was so excited about what was going on. It was so cool that I did that. And um, I did. I got off the ride and me and my buddies, we looked at each other and we we're just like, what the heck just happened? Because if I were to summarize the rise of the resistance experience, I would summarize it by saying this. Imagine the best part of every thrill attraction that has ever been created. Put it all together in one. Add a story. Have it take 20 minutes. And that's what the rise of the resistance is. Right. I mean, that was incredible. Yeah. It was awesome. It was one of those where he had done it before me and, I, you know, you're like, did he just over talk it? You know, like, was he just geeked out? And then you go on it and you're like, okay, no, that wasn't an exaggeration. And even like people that do Flight of Passage or, you know, stuff like that, like you always get off and you're like, that was worth the wait because it is usually a long wait there. But this is on when you level. when you think three hours, like why would anyone wait three hours? Yeah. And then you get off and you're like, okay, I kind of get it. <laughs> like yeah. maybe three hours yeah. is pushing it for even me, but two hours, I I would probably yeah. do. Look, I'll say, and I, I've talked about this in the previous episode. You know, having done it as many times as I've done it at this point, I'm not really willing to wait three hours yeah. anymore. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, like I I feel like there's other things I can accomplish because I've done it so often, but. I, I still watch the queue and, and I'm watching, you know, the touring plans, line times. And I'm like, hey, like if I can get this squeezes in an hour and a half, I'll go do that. Right. Right. Like yeah. there's it's the it's the sort of thing I definitely want to do. Now, look, Rise is awesome, but I think it's so overlooked. Millennium Falcon Smugglers Run is one of the absolute coolest things I've ever done in my life. Like I, and I can do it over and over and over again because that is that is the most unique interactive thrill experience. So that's the second that's been created. attraction. There's two main attractions. Right, and it's the one that opened first, right? Right. Yeah. But it's the second second thrill attraction in Galaxy's Edge. Yeah. Um, Go back and listen to some of our previous episodes. Where you get we to talk pilot about... the Millennium yeah. Falcon, like <laughs> you know, in a group of six where everyone's got a role, and it's a video game, like the biggest video game you'll ever do. No wonder you like it, dear. Yeah, I, I like that. And and that, the queue is cool too. The queue is awesome. The queue is awesome. The story's the story's pretty interesting, but it's different. That's the thing. What's the thing about Millennium Falcon is it is different every single time you do it because it depends on you, right? Yeah, yeah. It depends primarily on who's piloting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> depends a little bit on who the gunners are, right? A very small fraction on the engineers, but like you can you can do some cool things and there's even some hidden modes in there chewbacca mode right go look it up yeah so cool that was so much fun when we when we unlocked chewy mode okay so i'm doing a little timeline here we talked about our childhood and we talked about the movies and we talked about when galaxy's edge opened so 2020 right everything shut down 
So things shut down for a while, but I think was it maybe and I don't I didn't look this up, but I feel like the Mandalorian was really big during um the pandemic. Yeah, so this is like the first live action TV series, right? This right. Is, the Mandalorian was the first live action Star Wars TV series, right? Where they you know holy cow. I, I to this day still I remember watching that first episode and thinking to myself Oh my goodness. Well, you're like, you watched it before me and you're like, I really have no idea what's going on <laughs> when we first watched it. Yeah. That first episode. But then like, obviously the baby Yoda, you know, which is what he became known as before he was given a name in the second season. Um, just, just, you know, got crazy merchandise everywhere. I don't think they anticipated how much people would love that character. Um, and he was called the child. And I have to say that I am sporting a um grogu but for me he was the child or baby yoda um t-shirt and then i've got the cup and i remember i got the cup sometimes things are more more cool when there's like a ton of them and it's on display but this one's actually still cool at home but it was when you'd come off of um space mountain and they of course like any good ride it feeds you into the gift shop right and so the ride you know right when you get into the gift shop there was this whole giant display of um these nice turbis um cups metal cups with the child on it and so you know it's just the little things in life but i love my baby yoda cup and um and so that was kind of so that kind of helped us through the pandemic until we could get back and so our family actually went back to the parks pretty early we went in july of 2020 and that was when i first did rise of the resistance um and, and they had like look when we're talking about early like they just reopened yeah like within a few weeks like we, we were we were among the first of the first of the first and we knew we that because nobody else was there yeah right? we were in masks outdoors in july but anyway so w- tell them um why don't you tell them about so we did droid depot and then we did a modified version of is it savi's workshop is that what it's called yeah so you know there's there's two actual interactive um merchandise experiences that exist in galaxy's edge right one of them is the droid depot you you can go and build your own custom astromech right and you can either build a bb unit right like which is the little round rolling guy that you see in in the newer trilogy or you can build an r2 unit right that we all know so well from From the original from the original movies and you it's custom so you're standing in this room and there's a conveyor belt that's going by it's really cool a conveyor belt and you got to pick out the different parts to assemble your astromech and um and by the way they're fully functional like they were like not fully functional like they don't fly a spaceship okay but they're fully functional as in like they'll move around they'll interact with you they'll 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 do some cool stuff if they could fly a spaceship though that would be cool well elon would have hired them by now but uh (laughs) it it is it's just such a it's such a cool experience because of how much you can you can customize it and take it home and so all just just a little perk for dbc members you get 20% 20% off merchandise. I think even then, like it was almost 30%. They were trying to get people. Yeah, they so were. Badly. So we got a nice discount. And I'll say that there, are, and that, that's a cool one because there are some places where actually you don't get a DVC discount, right? So yeah. for instance, if you want to go buy one of the, um, I think the lightsabers are not. If you want to get a Banshee in uh, Pandora, like you don't get, there's no discount for that because that's actually a third party that sells oh, it. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I don't know that you get one on the lightsabers. I can't remember, but 
But anyways, the Droid Depot is one of those experiences, and you get to build it. And that, I just think it's really cool that you get to you know, bring it to life and do stuff now. And that one's pretty easy to find. So it if is you want to find the Droid Depot, our, our teenager had to tell us where the next one was because we were like, where are we supposed but to Sabi's go? But Savi's workshop, right, where you build your own lightsaber, that is hidden. <laughs> so like, with the storyline, why would it be hidden? Just because Jedi are... Well, I just don't think that, you know, we don't say, hey, lightsabers here, like, you know, yeah. you know, and in, in, as the lore goes, you know, building a lightsaber is actually part of your passage from Padawan to Jedi, right? Okay. Like, it's one of the things you do. You've actually got to go and you have to harvest your own kyber crystal, for instance, right? Typically on the planet Elum. See, I know a few things, <laughs> but the thing is, um, know you know, Jedi do that, you know on their own and so there's not like a store for it like there might be for an astromech store like that kind of makes sense but you go to the workshop and you did it when we went the first time there was no build your own custom saber like that was not something that they had going on a couple reasons for it one um and you can talk about it in a second because you've done it with one of our sons but that's an experience in and of itself actually building your custom saber there's a ceremony that goes with it okay back then at that point we were again we were some of the first people back in the parks at the time cast uh, members were scarce right right right. also keep in mind that disney employs a lot of cast members from other countries as part of the college program part of the exchange program and stuff like that none of those people are were available at the time right in fact some of them still aren't available right they can't even come over here because of the of the ongoing pandemic and so you know being short on staff you know would reduce it and then yeah, of course yeah. they were trying to keep some distance but what you could do was they said hey we have a, a number of different sabers that are replicas of sabers that belong to specific characters right and you could just and pick you them could out. you could pick them out and you could put them together and stuff and that was really cool and so that's what that's what um three of our sons did um because we went and it was their birthday's time right so right that's true that's how it kind of coincided and those were all birthday presents because they're very expensive by the way um but that was that was a neat experience yeah and so later i had taken our so the the three birthday age kids just picked out pre pre-made ones basically um but then i took our oldest um on his 15th birthday and at that point first of all it's some, this is one of those that you have to snag up um a reservation, a reservation. It's, it's not like you can just walk up and do it. Usually you have to reserve it ahead of time. But like they're, they're, I mean, like, you know, like the people that work at Disney are called cast members because they're all part of a cast, right? And they're basically on stage and we're joining them on stage. Well, like this is literally an actor, like an actual cast member that runs um, Sabi's, it's in his Sabi's workshop, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, and he, I mean, he was just dramatic and just made this like a really you know, it's almost like a spiritual experience, I believe, for the Jedi to, to get a saber and stuff. So right. anyway, and they have, there was music and lighting and like, it's a small group and kind of a, you know, it's supposed to be a, you know, a exclusive place. So anyway, I would definitely recommend doing that if you have a diehard one. I mean, there, you can buy like the plastic lightsabers throughout the park, you know, like the kind that collapse, you know, and on itself and stuff. And those are fun, but those are just some things we wanted yeah. to point out. These are these are legit. These, I mean, this is this is honestly this is uh, prop replica quality. You know, really really neat. Yeah. Um, should we talk about food? Are you ready? I think we should talk about some food because let's talk specifically about 
what happens on May 4th at the parks? Well, like I, it, it is actual day. Like it's a day for them, right? right? This it's is called. This uh, is a celebration, just like any of the other holidays are. And so they do some different stuff on May Fourth at the parks. By the way, we've never been because it's actually really hard to get in. Like this, this is a capacity day for both Disneyland and Disney World. Yeah, yeah, and at so it's called. Um, Black Spire Day, because that's the name of the outpost, right? It's Black Spire. Okay. But I got this article um, on the Disney Parks blog. It's a foodies guide to um, May the 4th. And so it looks, it's from what it sounds like, it's for the whole week. You can find some of these foods. And I know a lot of you guys maybe aren't going this week, but maybe next year. Or if you're like me and you just like reading about food <laughs> and or, hearing descriptions. Look, maybe it's maybe it's something you aspire to, right? Because, yeah. you know, we've never, we've never done it mostly because I just don't really love it when it's overcrowded, right? Really? But at some point in my life, it would be kind of cool to come and experience some of the festivities. Yeah. So you, it's, it's one of those things that's like, well, maybe I got to do it once. And so maybe this is a little preview from a um, from a food perspective of something you can look forward to. So the article, um, it starts out with Disneyland. And like I said, one of these things, I was like, I don't remember this at, at – um, at the one in Orlando, but maybe it's actually there. But it's called Cat Sokka's Kettle. Yeah, that's unique to Disneyland. Yeah, I don't see that. I don't remember well, that. Well, actually, I'm not sure that it is. The there is a popcorn stand inside um, Black Spire Outpost in the, in the outdoor shops. So maybe, yeah, I guess that that's probably where it is. But anyway, they have an outpost mix. But I don't know if that's what it's called, but it might be called that. Yeah. And it's a caramel chocolate glazed popcorn. And then they also have um, a cheese popped greens is what it's called with the white cheddar. It reminded me of the, at Costco, you know how you can get the caramel and the yeah. cheddar together. Yeah. And then the other one I was going to talk about um, at Disneyland is at the milk stand. They actually have a cookie, which is super exciting. It's a chocolate chip sweet sand cookie. Get it? Sand cookie. Um, but it's chocolate chip toffee cookie topped with pistachios and sea salt. It sounds a little bit like a knockoff of um, Gideon's. <laughs> so I'm like, were they trying to knock that off or whatever? Because that's kind of a Gideon's um, combination. Um, but I don't care. I would still try it. What what kind of stood out to you from... It looks pretty good. Uh, I will say this. There's one thing that looks really cool to me. Um, I don't know if it's actually any good, but it looks really cool. But... Um, at the at Disneyland, at the Galactic Grill, okay. So this is over. Like this, this is over in Tomorrowland, okay. Um, you can get a parfait of Mustafar. <laughs> okay, so it's a chocolate lava cake with a chocolate ganache, okay. Um, red pot of choux, you know, with a salted caramel pudding oh, and a red chocolate just mousse. Like, you. like those are, I I love it. But what is cool <laughs> is <laughs> if you look at it, it's in this little bowl, and it literally looks like molten lava on top, right? Like you you can on, you can hear you burned. might even be able to smell Anakin cooking, okay, <laughs> oh, on gosh. on the shore uh, of Mustafar. But that looked really really cool there. I thought that was that was a pretty neat one. So there's there's the Wookie cookie, which I love the name of that. I mean, you have to. Yeah. I mean, you just have to make a cookie that rhymes with Wookie. But yeah. then, did you see this display? This editable display at the Grand Californian. The, it's um, an edible display, and yeah. it looks like um, 
it's it's huge right it's basically it looks like a model of black spire outpost to a certain degree right and then there's the millennium falcon in there uh, kind of arriving um you should just look this up just to see the picture because it's really really cool you know when you see those like is it is that really a cake or not kind of thing they've got tv shows like that out now like this is one of those so cool it's in the lobby at the grand californian um so you can if you're around you can go check it out so at Disneyland, like in their um, downtown Disney, they still call it that. It used to be called that in Orlando too, but at downtown Disney, there happens to be a place called Kayla's Cake. Yep. I mean, hello, that's awesome. But she has um, a galaxy caramel macaron and it looks so cute. It says, satisfy two cravings at once with sea salt caramel and white chocolate ganache. But the um, macaron itself looks like um, metallic like galaxy yeah looking. yeah kind of looks so like cool. a you know a, a nebula or something right i would definitely eat that it's it's pretty cool and then um one of the things going on too is um at disneyland they do a thing called um after dark it's a star wars night yes this sounds and cool so there's some really really cool really cool treats out there right but some of them look good you know you've got traditional things like a like a, a hot dog but it's called a snack dog <laughs> but <laughs> they can like charge a, more <laughs> there's like there's a purple saber uh purple saber funnel cake right um that's at the stage door cafe um if you want to uh you can get the dark stuff right which it is looks like gray stuff. looks like gray stuff yeah. but but there's darth vader's head on the top right and he's holding his red lightsaber or you can even get um some lightsaber inspired cannelloni right that's really neat Ooh, this is making me hungry okay so to me my stomach actually literally just rumbled as i'm looking at some of this (laughs) the mic might have picked it up um so at Holly, at um, Hollywood Studios at, in Orlando. So on the other side of the country. Yeah. And I think that some of these are at both places, but they just kind of highlighted different ones. But these churros are put, they put them in like a, a, a box that looks like a lightsaber handle. That is the, the coolest churro, looking churro I've ever but seen. But the churro is, there's one that's bright red and one that's blue. And so it actually looks like a lightsaber. It would be kind of hard to eat. You're like, oh, I don't want to eat it, but just take a picture and then I would still So eat that it. one's a little unique. It's only available today and tomorrow, May 4th and May 5th. I right? wonder how big the lines are going to be. But it's at all of the churro <laughs> carts and there's only like three of them. So good luck. The lines will probably be long, but it looks really cool. And then, okay, I totally messed up. Um, oh my gosh, I keep wanting to call him Mace Windu, but what's the bad guy? <laughs> it's Darth Maul. Darth Maul. I don't know why that name just keeps going out of my brain. But Darth Maul, there is a um, a is that the yep. yeah, it's the it has raspberry mousse. Yep. yep. Um, and it's in a dome so, shape, um, and then it's got these slivered milk, almonds, milk that, chocolate mousse dome, right, yeah. with the raspberry mousse filling. And it's on a shortbread cookie, but at the top it has the almonds coming out that looks like the little yeah. spikes. And, it, and it's marbled head. like the paint on his on his face, face. right? Um, that's really, really cool. So I actually, you know, we mentioned the Wookiee cookie at Disneyland earlier. The Wookiee cookie available over in Florida, actually, and that's at it uh, Backlot Express. It's different. This is more my kind of one. The other one had sprinkles on it. It looked really cool. It had sprinkles, but this one, two Are oatmeal. Are you going to be like Romy from our my spring baking? Look, this is like an oatmeal cream pie. I love oatmeal cream spice. Two oatmeal cookies with a vanilla cream filling. Um, and then, of course, you've got, you know, Chewy's sash. You know, it's a little chocolate ganache on the top. 
That mm. might be one that I would be like, oh, get some and I'll take a bite. And you're yeah. going to be like, no, I'm not. I'm gonna, not sharing that. You, maybe you should get your own deer. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so at um, the milk stand, they have these cool um, Boo Boo Wamba Family Farms Cup. I don't, I don't know the reference of that one. Is that... Are you down at the milk stand part? Uh, I I am, but I I don't know what it means either. I just know they're cool looking cups with some with you know one's got uh, one's got a um, bantha on it and the other's got some funny looking nosy guy. I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know what that is, but they're cool collectors cups, which you don't fun. normally get. It is kind of an expensive. Um, I mean, blue milk is kind of expensive, so if you can take the cup home, I think that probably helps yeah. a little. Yeah. Now I will say this. So the the popcorn stands, um, and again, this is one that's only available today and tomorrow, the fourth and the fifth. But this interstellar sweet and crunchy popcorn. That sounds so oh good. Oh my gosh! Caramel popcorn, cookies and cream pieces, and then some sweet and spicy pecans. Like you get all of the stuff in there. Oh. It looks so good. I could totally get that and go now that Indiana Jones is back. Like just go and snack on that during Indiana yeah. Jones. Yeah. Okay, this one makes me so happy. So this is in Disney Springs at, at Amaretz. That's the place that we did the cake decorating experience. But they have lightsaber eclairs, and they are so adorable. I have to say that one of them, though, has um, blue matcha. Yeah, that, you know. <laughs> we, I, I, we watch so many baking things, or Randy, Randy will watch them with me. And anytime the, someone uses matcha. It's the Obi-Wan one, right? And, and that messed just, it up. That makes me sad, because he's my favorite character. And, oh my gosh, like, why did you like put grass. the grossest stuff in there? Um, anyways, but the other ones, like, right up my alley. You got Mace Windu. Berry cherry. Oh yeah. Uh, Master Yoda, pistachio makes sense. He's a green guy. Uh, Ray has passion pineapple because she's got a yellow saber at the end, right? Um, Vader's red saber, right? Which is um, moose Ooh. flavored with. Check this out. Cayenne pepper and cinnamon. Oh, I don't know about that. Oh, that sounds spicy. <laughs> and then you've got Obi Wan's blue matcha. Poor Obi Wan. They could have come up with something else. Maybe blue raspberry. Everyone loves that. <laughs> Actually, raspberry and eclair would be very delicious. Yeah, it would be. Okay, so here's the very last one, and this one makes me very excited. So this is at um, at the Polynesian, oh, and it's only available today, but it's the Millennium Falcon Star Wars Soft Serve Sunday. That's a lot of words. But basically, it's gray um, vanilla soft serve, and then they put chocolate cookie crumbles, chocolate drizzle, white chocolate pearl stars. Those are always so yummy mm-hmm. and unexpected. It looks like it should not taste good, but it does. And then there's the brownie asteroid pieces with stardust sprinkles and a Millennium Falcon chocolate accent piece. So I just like right now, I wish that we were, we could like go through a portal and be at the Polynesian by the pool having this Sunday because it actually sounds good. Sometimes they look yeah. good, but don't taste good. I think no, that sounds good. good, right? There's no weird flavors in there, right? <laughs> No so they, they made traditional flavors that you would normally love, and then they like made it look cool. Right. So that's that's so neat. Wow, this has been a lot of fun. I know this is really geeking me out. We I think this is one of those goals we got to get to. We got to get to the park on May the fourth. I it's I think we need to put that on the calendar. We need to do it. I don't know whether we go to California or Florida, honestly, um, but we should do one of them for sure. 
and you know, you guys should look it up. I think I think there's some stuff here that's just so unique about being there with the celebration. I feel like watching a movie, even though I don't have time to watch a movie. Like I just want to be like I want to get I want to go to a galaxy far, far away. <laughs> Oh my goodness. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed our Whistle While You Work bonus episode. Um, Let us know what you love about Star Wars and uh, may the fourth be with you. Always. Bye. (laughs) Bye. (laughs) Bye.